You know, we've all dealt with anxiety at work in one form or another. The last minute meeting with your boss, the thought of giving a presentation to a room full of executives, or having to deliver bad news to a client. It might surprise you, but there are better ways of dealing with workplace anxiety than constantly imagining the worst case scenario. Hello, I'm Chester Elton, and I'm with my co-author and dear friend, Adrian Gostick. Well, thanks, Chess. Yeah, our guest today says there are some concrete solutions to confront your anxiety head-on and get to what she calls situational awareness. As always, we hope the time you spend with us will help reduce the stigma of anxiety at work and in your personal life. And with us is our new friend, Dr. Heather Penny, who is a leadership coach and trusted advisor, helping individuals and organizations achieve their goals guided by the three C's, clarity, confidence, and courage. With a PhD in human services and an MA in educational leadership, Dr. Penny is the host of The Life You're Made For podcast and author of The Life You're Made For, Finding Clarity, Confidence, and Courage to be fully alive. Welcome to the show, Heather. We're delighted to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Chester. Thank you, Adrian. It's so fun to be here. I appreciate you inviting me. Well, we're thrilled to have you. And so walk us through, start with the, uh, this, the three C's and what that has to do with our audience or interested in, you know, living with and maybe even overcoming anxiety. Well, the three C's are something to reach for. Clarity, confidence, and courage. And right there, the act of reaching for something positive <laughs> helps us combat anxiety. So, for instance, if you're constantly saying, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm dealing with anxiety, I'm dealing with anxiety, what do you think is going to be happening? You're going to get more anxious, right? <laughs> so a lot of what we, the message that we have, and this is what um, drove a lot of my research and my doctorate, it's what I call the spiraling down. And I was reading a lot about how, our society as a whole, particularly North America, are, is growing an exponential rate of anxiety, depression, frustration. We know all this, right? And so a lot of the research was saying more research is needed, more research is needed. What I began to realize is I want to research on the other side of the coin of if we can spiral down, logically it tells me as humans we can learn how to spiral up. And this is also a lot of what's happening when for instance, we may go to a counseling appointment or we may spend years in counseling, but we walk out of there, and this is not to bash counseling because I love it and I have my own counselors, <laughs> but oftentimes we're going, well, now what? Well, now what do we do? How do we actually get to go after a life of thriving versus just surviving? We don't have those coping skills. So I began to interview people in my doctorate research that said, hey, I want to talk to you about what you do to spiral up. And so as I began to really look at that, the three C's are like three handles to help people to just hold on to it and saying, you can grow your clarity. Most people don't know this, and there's ways to do it. You can build your confidence. Again, there's ways to do this, and there's ways to shrink it. And you can also engage your courage. So when we're focusing on that, it's helping us begin the spiraling up process versus just trying to either not spiral down or try and stay plateaued which is too low of a bar for humanity, right? Because we're all amazing people. That is so interesting. You know, like you say, we so focus on the negative. Uh, let's uh, flip that around and, and focus on the positive, which brings me to my question, which is a lot of anxiety is driven by fear of failure. Yeah. So we do focus on the failure, and then we tend to fail more and more. How, how, do, you over, how do you overcome that with your spiraling yeah. up, if I got that right? Yeah, Yeah, you got it right. Um, 
Well, I'm going to give you a concrete example because I think that'll help our listeners. One of the biggest fears leaders have, or really any person that I'm working with, and the research shows this, one of the top fears, even over the fear of being eaten by a shark, the number one fear (laughs) is public speaking. So when I began to really grapple with that and you talk about anxiety, it's a really concrete issue that a lot of leaders are dealing with. And I started just stepping into that space and I said, well, what are you telling yourself about public speaking? And I remember working with the uh, president of a company and she was talking about, oh yeah, I'm just a terrible communicator. Well, I'd had the privilege of watching this leader communicate for years so I knew as a fact she was not a terrible communicator number one number two every human knows how to communicate what we had to do is start replacing that what I call a false belief that limits you and keeps you down if you keep telling yourself that you're going to be a terrible communicator even worse you're going to have all this anxiety around that false belief and so you're generating this energy of negativity that's actually keeping you down So this goes back to you have the power to increase your clarity, build your confidence, and engage your courage. So as we stepped into that conversation, I said, what could you tell yourself that's different? Now, I'm not going to lie to you. This is usually the hardest part. So this is where I usually throw my clients a lifeline and say, how about something like I have the the power to communicate? And they'll go, "Mm," you know, it's like they grade it. And I'll just keep throwing things out until they go, oh, that's the one. And I think in this case, um, one of the true beliefs she started really latching onto is, I have the power to find my own authentic style to communicate. So what we were also realizing is she was comparing her style of public speaking to all these other great leaders. I go, that's not you. But she's known for being a very positive, smiley person. I said, get up there and smile at the audience. I'm telling you, you're going to win them over at half half the time. (laughs) You know, isn't that so interesting? We've had conversations before. And I think what you're talking about is that inner voice, right? Yes. That it so easily tears us down yeah. and can just as easily build us up. Right. And, and this idea of having a mantra to turn your inner voice from the critic you know, to the coach or the encourager mm-hmm. is really interesting. And you've had great success with that, finding that phrase to help people build themselves up. Yes, and I'll just, I'll build it off of research, too, of um, neuroscience, and uh, Dr. Carolyn Leaf is someone I like to reference people to because it changes the thought-mind pattern, but it's really showing that if you practice something five minutes a day for 30 days, it actually changes the neural pathways in our brain. So the way I see it, and again, this is a metaphor I use if you're out hiking or anything like I like to do, there's these little deer trails that are kind of ground into the side of the hillside and sometimes I'll just follow the deer trails or goat trails what happens is when we do that false belief of I'm a terrible communicator I'm a terrible communicator it makes this groove in our brain the thought actually transforms our neural pathways if you can believe that and that's what the latest research is showing it's fascinating well here's that's that's a hard news to hear but the good news of that the flip side of that is we can create new pathways so When I start saying, I have the power to communicate well, but I just need to find my own authentic style, it's like you veer off of that that, um, pathway that those deers have pounded, you know, for months and years now, and you're starting to move off into the field, and I want to say, stay with it. Five minutes a day. I usually tell people, put on a Post-it. Put it on a confidence card. If you believe in a power beyond yourself, which I do, pray to that power. (laughs) You know, pull in whatever you need 
to help you build that energy around that and recognize you get to step into a life that you're truly made for versus being a victim of a life that you actually created out of your own mind. And, and in all fairness, it might have been told to you by teachers or coaches or parents or significant adults in your life that you it stuck with you maybe when you were seven years old and you never forgot I'm a terrible communicator because when I got <laughs> up in my my little class I bombed my little speech and so we have this sad little neural pathway that begins to um, form in our mind and this is where I have a tremendous amount of empathy and compassion I don't like to t- treat it like it's just a, a science but I use the research to help us go after some internal issues because I truly believe leadership starts with how we live and how we live starts with who we are within. That becomes our true authentic self. Well, I think it's interesting what you're saying too, is you got to stick with this too, because like you say, five minutes a day for 30 days, you get this. So you, you, you have the pattern down. And then I, we were just talking with our mentor, Marshall Goldsmith, a couple of days ago. And, and we said, one of the big worries is then people go, now nah, I got this now. I don't need to keep practicing it. But no, you do. If this is something mm-hmm. you have self-defeating thoughts, you have to probably do this every day for it may be years. And uh, so one of the other things I wanted to ask you about that you talk about in your work and, and your, your book, uh, The Life You're Made For, is um, you say we learn a lot. We can learn a lot from pain and heartache, but maybe we mm. all move on too fast. We try to put those feelings behind us. You know, it's like, uh, you know, shake it off. You know, get back out there, mm. right? And and don't we often do that because they're uncomfortable feelings for those of us who are helping as well as those of us who are feeling it. So help us understand this idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard, that's a big question, Adrian. Yeah. And the only reason I'm, you're hearing a little bit of that sigh because I work with so many high achieving leaders and all my fingers are pointing back. I'm right in there with them. I'm a high achieving uh, person myself. And so I'm hard on myself. I'm one of the hardest people on myself. I work for myself, probably the worst boss I've ever worked for. So I think there's this pressure we put on ourselves to perform. And I'll be honest with you, it's got us success. But there comes a point in every um, leader that I've worked with where it doesn't work anymore and it starts breaking us. That's the space that it's honestly, it's a very sacred space. And I try and step into that very carefully because they will whisper to me, I don't think this is working. They may be uh, the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and they might be hitting the bottom lines and really going above and hitting all the goals that they need to and having a dynamic team. But their private inner life is starting to unravel. This typically happens when we are holding on to these false beliefs for too long. And I believe our world and our circumstances gives us the opportunity to let go of them and replace it. Hence midlife crises, which I like to call midlife opportunities. So we can (laughs) shift what used to work with for us, maybe zero to 40 or zero to 50 is no longer going to work for us the second half of our life. But of course it's going to be vulnerable and unnerving and hard and scary and, and just terrifying. And so I just like to say people like, it's like you're the boat is leaving the dock. And right now, you got one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat, and you're doing the splits. Like, dude, you got to commit here. (laughs) You got to get on the boat, or you got to get on the dock. And I think you want to go somewhere. So when you get on on the boat, get both feet firmly planted on there, and then here's some tools to help navigate where that boat wants to go. Excellent. You know, it's... um it's such great advice, and I, I love the simplicity and, and how you go into it. And 
mm-hmm. with your mantras and, and, and mindsets. I, I'd like to turn the role now to the team leaders, mm-hmm. right? So how can managers help their people live this life that they're made for? What are some of the key things that you coach team leaders so that they can you know, cascade it down to their team? Well, certainly every manager knows their people better than I would. So when I'm involved with right. a company, I like to give respect to the, in- the instinct and the intuition of that leader. So I'm here to help coach that leader, coach their people. So as I help them with the clarity of what is it you're seeing? What is it that you are observing? That's the clarity piece. The confidence piece is what are you believing? The courage piece is where are you taking action? So I help them understand how to live out the three C's. As they begin to experience it, they're able then to give that and offer that to their own people. So the challenge at sometimes, and this is it begins the spiraling up, we will stay plateaued or begin to spiral down if we can't utilize all three of those. So that's what I emphasize with the leaders. But I work with them first one-on-one. I'm like, I want you to experience it for the next nine months. We're going to meet on Zoom or a phone call once a week. And we're going to talk through these three things of clarity, confidence, courage. We're going to bring your issues to the table. And I'm going to show you how to use your clarity and your confidence and courage. Clarity is about what am I seeing right in front of me. Confidence is like, what am I believing? Nine times out of ten, we're believing, well, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. 100% of the time, we're usually believing something that's hurting us. And that's what I want to give honor and respect to. I don't like to point fingers and say, oh, you're believing this the wrong way. No, I want to hear them and I say, hey, have you thought about believing it this other way? Usually it feels too good to be true. So that's the confidence piece. The courage piece, and this is some of the times the hardest, is you got all the clarity you need. you got all the confidence you need. You've checked your beliefs. You've shifted away from a false belief, starting to practice a true belief. But you're not taking action. You're stalling. You must create action steps attached to that. So you can see as I work with the leader, all of this authentically, naturally transfers over to their people because you're working with a human being. You're not working with robots. You're working with these human beings and giving respect to their personal life and growth, but you're able to zero in and use these three um, areas of clarity, confidence, courage to engage your your people on your team in a respectful, honoring way, but really in an inspiring, motivating, motivating way that says that calls them out to really the life that only they can live on that team. Well, we've been talking with uh, Dr. Heather Penny. Um, Heather, where would you send people to learn a little bit more about your work and and what you and your team do? Well, you can find me at heatherpenny.com. And on there, you've got lots of different resources. I try and give a lot out. I've got podcasts. I've got books. I'm getting ready to drop my new book called Grace Space. So be looking for that in the next couple months. Yeah, and it's to create spaces of grace in in our works of leadership and spaces of leadership that surpass just safe spaces. I want to go after grace spaces. That's awesome. Great. Now, one of the things that I know in your work you talk a lot about is change. Uh, You know, if you go and work with an organization, whenever we work with an organization, every single organization is going through change. doesn't matter who they are, where they are, (laughs) and they all think they're unique. Um, Well, we're quite unique because we're, you know, we do this kind of manufacturing. It's like, okay, great. Yeah, you're going through change. Um, There's probably some tips that you offer for people who are going through change, whether they're employees, whether they're the managers, um, whether it's at work or in their personal lives. So give us some ideas of, of how you help people through change. Well, the first thing is not only is the organization going through change, but the person is going through change. So I try and honor that. And for instance, if the organization is shifting and they need to do some infrastructure changing, 
that role of that individual is changing. So we're dealing with that component and we're dealing with the actual organization component. So really what I coach leaders on is recognize how that individual is feeling and care for it, tend to it, give them hope, give them direction, give them vision. Makes me think of an example of the significant change that was happening in my work when the COVID was running um, rampant and how it was impacting our companies unexpectedly in being able to really say the number one thing is to slow it down. <laughs> like it's the tendency is to speed it up and try and keep up with all the, the change. I want to say do less in order to do more. Slow it down. And one, one of the things that we did when, in this one organization I was working with, I recommended do a group meeting. Everybody is scared. Mandates are coming down. People aren't sure what to do. Their free will is feeling violated. They're angry about whether the company is going to support. I mean, all of this stuff. And it was, and I said, have a family meeting. Basically, have a family meeting and pull everybody in the room because the change that's happening in the organization is directly correlated to the change that individual is feeling. So care for the individuals first, and then the individuals will help care for the change in the organization. So we slowed it down, had a family meeting, talked about, hey, we're going to be the calm in the storm. We're going to slow this down. We're going to support you. And we're counting on you to do this for our company. So calling them out to join them in that change, but first caring for them was really critical. I think a lot of times organizations ignore the anxiety that our leaders are feeling in the middle of change. And they just keep saying, well, here's the vision. Here's the five, five-year um, plan and keep going and keep doing more. Meanwhile, that leader is spinning or spiraling down. But many of us are so competent, we've learned how to hide it. Or we're going home and we are, whatever, over drinking. Or we're, we're doing all these things that is helping us kind of cope in a negative way, but we're totally stressed about it. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it funny the different ways we cope? Like you say, for some it's over drinking, for some it's over exercising, or it's binge yeah. watching. Oh, you yeah. You know, the entire season I've done or it whatever all. on Netflix. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Overbite. Let's just keep going here. <laughs> yeah. Chocolate. Chocolate is always a good oh, one. Yeah. Brownies, uh, cookies, can't go wrong. <laughs> um, so, you know, how do you cope with it? We're always interested in, in our guests, their self-care. So what is it that works for you? Oh, shoot. I have to answer that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. Yeah. Okay. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. I think what works for me is finding my cadence. I am very, very busy. I have a lot of uh, work that I'm doing, a lot of clients I work with, and I travel quite a bit too. And I think what I had to learn to do is to create what I call a thrive plan. And it's what I do for me. And as I began to do it, at first I didn't think about it, but I thought, oh, I want to give this away to my clients since now I coach everyone. And honestly, that my book, The Life You're Made For, it's probably like reading my journal. <laughs> it's because it's everything I've had to do for me in order to get to where I'm at. Um, so I think I'm always looking at my true beliefs, false beliefs. And I think this is what I'd like to tell clients. You never conquer it, ever. What I want to give you the hope with is you have now the capacity and the coping skills for how to deal with something when you feel stuck. That's where a lot of people get overwhelmed, which triggers the anxiety, and then they don't know what to do. So I think what I do is I practice my own true beliefs and false beliefs, um, and I'm cognizant of them. Um, For instance, right now, I'm moving into um, dropping my fourth book. Well, I'm telling you, 
all the false beliefs coming in, stuff that I thought I dealt with 20 years ago. Who wants to listen to you? Why is this even worth it? And is anyone going to buy it? I mean, <laughs> all these false beliefs and learning how to stay, step into a true belief. And for me right now, my true belief is I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm stepping into a space, even if I'm scared. Um, I, get to, I get to move forward and trust that I'm being led and guided. These are true beliefs that I will reach for when the anxiety starts hitting me. Going back to the Thrive Plan, though, it's this idea of something daily. It's like an hour. Um, for me, it's like waking up and having more of a meditative time or exercise time, kind of mind, body, heart, spirit. I'm always conscious of that. Mm. And then the um, weekly, I'm doing something about two to four hours a week that I'm able to unplug and care for me. Then something monthly, which is like half a day or full day. And then something annually, which is what I call a me retreat. And I just got back from one. And it's usually like two, three, four days away just on my own. <clears throat> well, that is great. You know, and, and right before you start to wrap up here, yeah. that, that idea of a yearly retreat, you know, I've heard that from more than one leader. And yeah. it's a discipline. And you put it on the calendar and you don't let it be interrupted. And sometimes you go off with friends and you do it by yourself. But that, that idea mm-hmm. that I'm going to take a day or two or three and completely disconnect and really focus on where have I come from? Where am I? Where do I want to go? Um, yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. Because yeah. so often we talk to our, our guests and they go, I go for a run, which I think is great. The fact that you've mapped it out to daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly really is a, a wonderful um, bit of advice. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. The annually can be the hardest yeah. because we are so busy. Oh, yeah. But Finding it's the one that, that. Yeah. Yeah. Good it feeds you. your soul. It's, yeah. It's the one that slips off the calendar the most, I'll be honest, with, and I tell that to people. But it's the one that's probably the most critical. Nothing profound happens. It's just I get to unplug and hear mm. what I'm saying to myself. Love that. Perfect. This has been such a great conversation, Heather. Um, give us one last takeaway that you'd like our listeners to, to leave with today from all your work over the last few years. What, what have you learned that you want to share? I truly believe in my core heart that every human being holds value and significance in this world. They also have a, a shape that only their presence can fill. And so the more I can encourage people to believe, talk about a true belief, the true belief I'd love to leave you with is I have a life that I am made for and I get to go find it. That's the thing I really want people to believe about themselves because our world needs every individual showing up for the life that only they're made for. Excellent. Hey, this has been a delight to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much. Uh, Our guest is Heather Penny. She's got a wonderful book, The Life You're Made For. Uh, Her three C's uh, will guide you through it. And watch out for her new book that's coming soon, Grace Spaces. Did I get that right? Grace Spaces. Grace Space. Yeah, just singular. Excellent. Thanks so much. Thank you, Chester. Thank you, Adrian. Adrian, uh, really insightful, I thought, this this particular interview. And gosh, passionate about the subject. You know, Penny did just a great job. Or Heather Penny, sorry about yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, a great job in putting it all into context. I'm curious what your big takeaways were. Well, I think, you know, this is something we definitely see. And, uh, and look, look, let's be a little blunt here. Sometimes women face this more than men is that fear of, oh, I'm not good enough at something. And, and Heather hit this 
uh, you know, right on the, the, the nose is that, you know, sometimes men feel like they can do too much. Women don't feel like, oh, I'm not qualified for that. And we got to get over our fears. And what she's saying is, and I love the example of the fear of public speaking. You know, why? Why are you afraid of public speaking? We can all communicate. We can all talk. We've all got something to share. Um, so what is it? And so diving down, now that's just one example of a fear, but diving down to understand really what is keeping us from achieving all that we want to be. Yeah, you know, the three C's to me were so interesting. The clarity, confidence, and courage. Clarity is what you're seeing. Confidence is what you believe. And courage is taking action. You know, actually getting off the dime and doing it. I will tell you that her personal, her personal habits of breaking it down to daily, weekly, monthly, and annually really stuck with me because, you know, I'm pretty good about doing things daily. I'm not really good about saying, okay, let me reflect on the week or let me, let me take, uh, make sure that once a month I go do something with my wife or, or the kids or whatever. And then that annual retreat, which she admitted is the one that tends to fall off the calendar mostly. I, I, I really appreciated that courage, that action to say, I'm going to map out this time daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly. That really stuck with me. It did. And, you know, when we do our coaching, we, we use the word discipline, right? Because this right. does take discipline. And, you know, and she mentioned, look, you know, the deer trails, the, the five minute a day for 30 days to, to get, a, you know, habits starting to roll. Well, you and I were, were working on a new journal, the gratitude habit. And we are we're going to help people over 90 days form a habit of being more grateful. Well, wonderful. But the, what happens then after that 90 days? What happens after that 30 days? The, the trick is we, we tend to stop doing this. And as okay. she said, you've got to make this a discipline. It's got to be something that you stick with and or, or it's not going to be part of who you are. Right, right. Well, those are my takeaways. Any, any last uh, thoughts on, on what she shared with us today, Adrian? Yeah, <laughs> one, one of the things. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I thought was really kind of insightful um, is that, and we've talked about this idea of you know self-defeating thoughts. Um, and she said, "Look, we all believe something that is hurting us. Um, you know, whatever it is, uh, man, woman, young, old, we all believe something that's hurting us. Can you believe that in a different way?" Um, and so, you know, I think a little introspection is really important at this point is what is it that's got you stuck? What don't you believe you can accomplish? You, you don't think you could take on a bigger job. You don't think you could, um, you know, have a relationship with somebody because you're not worthy. There's just something that's holding you back right now. Dig in and find one that is and ask yourself, can I believe this in a different way? And chances are, yes, you can. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, you know, it all comes back to gratitude for us, right? Giving thanks for the people that are around us and the people that do encourage us, the great coaches like Heather and so on. And, of course, we always want to give a special thanks to our producer, Brent Klein, to Christy Lawrence, who helps us find these amazing guests. And, of course, to all of you that tune in and give us your time. You could be in a lot of places, and you chose to spend your time with us. You know, if you like this podcast, please share it. We'd also love to have you visit thecultureworks.com for some free resources to help you and your team and your culture thrive. 
And we love to speaking to audiences around the world. In fact, Chester just, just stepped off the stage 30 minutes ago <laughs> in uh, Washington, D.C., speaking to a big food company, and uh, and uh, thankfully came and, and sat down with me and Heather and uh, to have a chat here. So we love doing that. He even, I can see, packed his uh, head, headset and his, uh, and his <laughs> Yeti microphone, so good for him. So give us a call. We'd love to talk about you and your event. Um, Until next time, we wish you the best of mental health.